welcome to Megan's Bookish Life, a podcast where literary meets lifestyle. Hi, Jewel. Thank you for coming on Megan's Bookish Life podcast. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me. Okay, this is our second attempt to get together, and I'm glad <laughs> we finally did this because I have things to say in a good way. We'll get to that, I promise. When you look up your About Me section on your website, you went from being a dental hygienist to becoming an author, which is like a career leap. I mean, like, I don't know. I was like, that would be something I'd be like, well, I have to think about that. But I know that your friend got you into reading romance, which is why you jumped, right? Correct. Yes. What was your writing background before that? Um, You know, I didn't really have a writing background before that, other than if you go back to high school, probably English and creative writing and literature was what I enjoyed the most. And it probably was what I was probably best at. I mean, I studied hard. I did okay in school. I wasn't like the naturally smart person. I was the, I can get really great grades, but I'm going to work my butt off for them. But I would say that if something came easier to me, it was definitely creative writing, but it never occurred to me I would be a writer. Sadly, uh, to age myself that many years ago, like, the chances of making a living off of writing seemed slim. You weren't, didn't have this explosion of indie publishers and, you know, the published big five publishers were the gatekeepers to that world. So it didn't, it didn't really phase me of like, oh, I'm going to be a writer. Just like, yeah, well, this is fun, a hobby or whatever. And so that's why I went into dental hygiene. I went into the sciences. I wanted a job where I knew I could be home part-time with my kids and dental hygienists made pretty good money as far as an hourly wage where you could work part-time but still do pretty well. And I knew I wanted that when I raised a family. So I, yeah, I jumped into that career and did that for a good decade, just enough to pay off student loan debt. You know, that whole thing, you know, stick with your job long enough to pay off your college debt. And I opened up a retail store with my mom. We sold eco-living stuff. I did that after I'd had two children. I got pregnant with my third child and decided to stay home for the most part and help with the family business and do the mom thing. It was, yeah, a friend of mine who said, you know, you should write a book. I'm like, why would I do that? And I really was unaware of the world of self-publishing. I was unaware of the book world. I had not read an ebook before I started writing. All of my books, I was a library girl or Barnes and Noble or whatever local bookstore I had around here, but mainly a library girl. I didn't know a lot about like audiobooks. I had never heard of a book blog. I just stumbled into the world. So I'm not trained as a writer, but what I find with writing as with other areas of art is you can have formal training and somebody who's talented goes to formal training and it's just like icing on the cake. I think art is a talent and I wouldn't have thought I was talented. I never knew I had this talent and I don't compliment myself like hardly ever, ever. But after this many books, it has hit me that that I am a storyteller. Like all this time, I didn't know I was a storyteller. For me, there is a difference between an author, a writer, which I kind of put in the same boat, and a storyteller. You can tell the people who are good at telling the story that part of the craft and then you can tell I've read books where I'm like this is a very trained writer that I'm reading they are fantastic sometimes over the top with purple prose you can tell that sometimes the writing feels overworked to like impress and then you come across books that I find are the ones that are the huge crowd pleasers maybe they're not even the ones that are highly acclaimed by 
the critics, you know, the more well-known critics, but just like your general reader crowd, the, they love these books because they're easy to read and they're just, they fall into the story. And I feel like I'm that category. I mean, even over the years of trying to perfect my writing craft and not the storytelling part of it, I had my editor sometimes kind of give me a smack. Like, she's like, nope, I can tell you're actually trying here. She's like, stop trying. Basically, like, you know how to tell a story, just tell your story. Like, don't be trying to make it impressive because what's impressive is that you can tell a story. And it was a very emotional moment in my life when I realized I have a talent. Because if you had asked me what my talent was, I mean, I wouldn't have said my talent is flossing or something like that. <laughs> I write nonfiction. I'm currently in school, again, for writing and everything. Yep. It's funny because I got good grades in English. I hated writing back then. And it's funny because now you look back and you're like, I had something there. Even though I, I was not the smartest. I'm going to be super honest. The English was something that I should have known better, but like, we're both here now. Right. And I don't know, like for you, like I don't, I don't regret my path. I've had a lot of people ask, do you wish that you were writing when you were younger? And the knee jerk would be, of course, well, like had I known, I would have just started off writing and maybe I would have like submitted a bunch of things to publishers and just had this writing career. As I see like these younger writers, like in their twenties, like that's their path and they're doing it and they're doing it well. But I don't regret it. I, I loved my years as a dental hygienist. I had a great experience with that. I loved the five years that I kind of had the passion project at this retail store with my mom. I've loved being at home with my children. I've homeschooled them for some of their different grades that they were in. I've helped with the family business. I don't actually look back and regret it. And for me, the type of stories that I like to write and that I'm hoping to continue into channeling in a specific direction I feel like my experience in life has brought me to this point and that I'm, this is what I meant to write. You know, I meant to do this now. I don't regret it. And I don't, I, you kind of hope in life that most people are like, okay, you know, hindsight, who cares? I mean, yes, maybe it helped you going forward, but the regrets, like, what's the point? So you got here. Like you said, we're here. Yeah, we're here. We'll, we'll keep going. How about that? Yeah. So your first actual book called Holding You was released in March 2014, and it became a two-book series. Your third book you published, Undeniably You, was your first standalone. So I feel like many authors would do the opposite just to get their toes in the water and publish a standalone first. But you went in and you were like, yeah, we're going series. We're going hardcore. You're ready for the book world. Did you plan on making Holding You into a series at first? You know, it's funny. If I'm really being honest with, I think people like the shocking honesty that I give instead of what looks good. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember. I will say this. They were even longer books, even for standalones. They were a little bit longer books. Um, I've kind of been a little bit on the shorter side, uh, maybe more. And my sweet spot now, I feel like, is 80 to 90,000 words now. The book I just put out, Right Guy, Wrong Word, is the exception to that. But at the time, I was easily writing over 100,000 words in books and not thinking anything of it. Even though I told you the storytelling came naturally, the craft as far as like, okay, how long should each chapter be? You know, there's the mechanics of it all that I didn't have. And then you literally find out later that it doesn't matter. Like a little bit, you kind of make your own rules and every author has their own style. But I didn't know how like long a book should be. And I just 
I can say that when I started writing the story, I could not stop. It was at a time that I was staying up easily till two or three o'clock in the morning every night. And I just had to force myself to go to bed because I did need some sleep. And the story just poured out of me. And I don't remember at what point I decided it was going to be two books. I don't think it was from the beginning because I usually don't with series. It's pretty rare for me to be like, it's going to be two books or whatever. I mean, short of if it were like a set of standalone books or something. But I don't remember that point. I would remember being shocked when I was done of how much I loved the story and that I loved the second book even more than the first book. I also remember the crushing feeling of this is as good as it gets. I will never write anything this good. Like they say, everyone has a story inside of them. In my mind, that was my story. Nobody was more surprised than I was when I wrote Undeniably You and I realized I had a second story in me. So imagine like years later now, um, almost 10 years later, which isn't that much time in writing to have put out over 30 books and if you would have asked me almost 10 years ago, are you going to write 30 some books in your lifetime, given my, the age that I was when I started writing, I would have laughed so hard because I would have been like, of course not. Of course not. Who's got that many stories? So you can know like when these authors that they put out 50 to 100 and more books, that blows my mind. And I don't know why it does because of really in the short amount of time and you look at it, the books that I've written are the stories inside of me. But I think to myself, do they remember their character names? Do they remember all the little details? Because I know I start to forget them. So <laughs> I hate when people are like, we are going to quiz you on your books. I'm like, you will win. I will lose. <laughs> it's like those BuzzFeed quizzes. Tell me which one you remember. I'd be like, I don't know. I know, right? You're like, I swear I wrote <laughs> It was an older me. Thank you for liking it. Just because I don't remember all my children's name doesn't mean that they weren't mine. They came, they were my children. Like I gave birth to these children. Speaking of series, I have talked to people, because you have a couple series too. I've talked to people who are like, okay, I plan this one book to be a three book series. And before they even written it, that's wild to me. Because what if you got to book two and a half and you have nothing left? Do you know people? Like, are you that kind of person? Well, the interesting thing is, yes and no. I'm not much of a planner that I don't outline anything. I am a panster. I just sit down. I'm like Stephen King talked about himself over the years. He just sits and writes. And that's my writing style. However, I have had to discipline myself in the process of writing books over the years where I have set out. And it is more because of a marketing at this point. It's a double-edged sword. It's amazing when you hit the point if and when you hit the point in your writing career where writing is your career, like I'm making a living off of writing. So on one hand, that's amazing. But the payoff is you no longer have the luxury of just, I do whatever I want, whenever I want. Maybe I put a book out, maybe I plan it. Like you hit that point where you're like, am I really doing this as a career and therefore I need to plan it or not? Like when I put out my Jack and Jill series, it's one story over three books. And I knew pretty early on that it was going to be a trilogy. And the the reason I wrote a trilogy, honestly, was I was jumping on the bandwagon of in sales and marketing. Everyone was writing trilogies at the time. So I'm like, well, darn, I put out like a duet. But I, I'm like, I need to write a trilogy. And I regret nothing because it's probably my favorite story, storyline that I've written. And I, I titled the books, End of Day, Middle of Night, Dawn of Forever. And... 
it's the hardest thing I've written, but also the most rewarding thing that I've written because even though I didn't outline anything, I was very disciplined with writing and the pacing of it and the patience of it and the character building and the world building. And there's so much complexity to the story and it's a miracle. I did it all without outlining anything. Do I go back and take notes when I do my read throughs and where are my holes at? What do I need to flesh out? Of course I do that. But that is this insane to me though, the people who can regularly do that because I did that. And then I'm like, we are only writing standalones from now on out, which I have written like duets and stuff since then. But it is a huge, huge task in, in, in the world building. I mean, I, in series in general, and especially like I think of like fantasies and different things like that, dystopia and all of that, the world building is just, it blows my mind. I mean, I'm in awe of the people who just do it so effortlessly, or maybe I'm assuming it's effortlessly and maybe it's not. It is a lot of work and it's not something I jump on board with very often. I have to like take a deep breath and like, okay, I'm going to sink everything into this. I mean, that was a year of writing for me, my Jack and Jill series. I spent a year with those characters. When it was over, were you crushed or were you happy with Jack and Jill series? Um, Both. I was in tears as to how much I loved the series. I was crushed because I... I missed the characters already and hence why I've done spinoffs because I'm like, I got to go back and visit these characters. And I'm writing the last spinoff in this series right now. That'll be my next book that comes out. And it's really emotional for me because I'm about 10,000 words from the end. And it actually feels very much like the end. Like I've tied up all these loose ends and there's nothing left. And I knew that and I've put that out there to my readers, but I love these characters. I'm very proud of these characters in this story. And yeah, it, that's a hard one. But yeah, when I finished the Jack and Jill series, it is that weird feeling like I'm done. You're kind of excited to move on to something else, but I missed them. I missed them. I think about them to this day. There's so many times that they pop into my head, which makes me wonder what's wrong with me. Why am I having these characters? How many books ago pop into my head? Because you said they were your children. <laughs> they were. They were. Okay, we have to just to get into to right guy, wrong word. I had it in my bag for my nine to five job, which is which is a new thing for me. I finished 53% of it at work. During work and on my break, my boss can't get mad at me. It was slow. I was immersed. So I kept seeing that like this book was a short story first and then you turned it into a full length book. I want to know all about it. So was it the kind of story that people kept asking you to expand on or was it something you felt your heart you wanted to keep going with it? Um, this was not anywhere in my heart that I was going to keep going with it. This I've written a handful of short stories. This one was for a Brazil publisher. They were doing an anthology. I've written some other short stories for different anthologies. And I, I have openly joked about uh, short stories and how oftentimes silly I think they are. And I'm surprised how many people do love the short stories. This book honestly was my... Again, this was a business decision. I don't know whether it was a smart one. Actually, it's been fine. It was a smart business decision. But this was my assistant who I don't read my reviews anymore. Sort of like somebody sends me something, but I definitely don't go on a Goodreads. Like she'll go on to Goodreads and look at stuff. So she came to me and she said, you know, you're not putting anything out this summer. And I'm like, I know because I'm working on this last book and my Jack and Jill series. And she's like, but it would be nice if you put something out this summer. And so she approached me and originally the book was called The Last Person. That was the short story title of it. And she said, 
you know, some people would love more of that story. She's like, I've read some of the reviews and there's people who wish that they had more of Anna and Eric. And I was like, really? Because to my knowledge, this was like my lowest rated book on Goodreads. <laughs> so I'm thinking, where did this more come from? But I didn't like second guess or I was like, I'm going to go check this out. I'm not, you know, I'm not that mean to myself. I don't need to go check it out. I trusted her on it. I said, well, I have no idea what I would do with her story because I gave him a happily ever after in my mind. And so I read through the story several times and I thought, maybe, maybe I can expand on it and make it into a full length novel. It's on the shorter side. It's, I think, around 60,000 words. And I think what held me up was trying to keep the original short story in its original format of not touching any of that and like going forward with what we would call the epilogue of the short story. But once I allowed myself to make my own writing rules with this, which included yanking away the ending of the original short story and tweaking some of the other parts of the original short story, knowing we were going to change the cover, knowing that we were going to change the title. All of a sudden it kind of opened up this world creatively to me. So I'm like, okay, I can tweak some things. I can take away that ending and I'm going to give it a totally different ending by the time I'm done with it. And I got into it and it gave this space to give my characters more depth. And it gave this space for more character growth and Anna's, character arc through the story is so much more than I thought it was going to be. I love taking a character who is probably very imperfect in a lot of readers' eyes, and I like taking them on this journey and for that male protagonist to be like a foil for the growth of this female character, and it just, it went in a great direction. I loved bringing his dad into the story and giving kind of this banter between he and his dad. When I finished it, and especially the ending that I gave to the story, I was incredibly happy with the story. I was so glad that Jen told me, it's my assistant told me that I should do this because at first I was just like, oh, it 100% felt like a marketing thing. Like I'm only putting this book out there to appease my readers and to add more money to my bank account or something, which, which is laughable because we're joking that this has not been a high sales book for me. I'm like, let's see, did we cover the cost of the cover and the formatting? But ultimately, I didn't really care because when I finished it, it was just like, I, I didn't even care how it did. I was happy with it. And that's all that mattered. Let me tell you, I'm just going to go off on my own tangent because I was, like I said, I was so immersed. This banter, I giggled. I was like, oh, my God. And then at the end of my shift, like a different day, I closed my Kindle. And I Apparently, I sighed out loud. My coworker was like, are you OK? I was like, just finished a book. And it, it wasn't even like it was a sad book. It was like I enjoyed it so much. I was mad that it was over. <laughs> I guess I did it out loud. I didn't know. It's so embarrassing. But no, I think it's something, too, that you are proud of it. The right audience is proud of it, too, for you, because I loved it. Oh, thank you. I think I was amazed how quickly I did have some people even, like, message me and comment on different things as to, like, how much they love it and how Eric was one of their new favorite book boyfriends. And... And I think I hadn't given myself true permission to love it as much as I wanted to, because there's always this, this shield, the guard you have, this reservation. I did like a YouTube video on this about how sometimes I, I get enthusiastic about a book and the second that I feel like a handful of people, even if it's a very small handful of people, for some reason, it was a miss with them for whatever reason, then I feel like 
I no longer can love that book. Like, well, if you didn't like it, then how silly of me to like it. And I just, and it's where I've like stepped back. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop promoting my book, this book, then I'm just going to move on to the next book. No longer going to talk about this book because a few people didn't like it. And I've had this envy of these other authors who like continue to push it and they should push it and I should push it, but I always struggled with self-promotion. That's why I hire a PR company. That's why I have an assistant. That's why I have an agent, like all of these things, because I am terrible at self-promotion because I am more like, oh, well, if you didn't like it, how silly of me too. And I have told my readers for years that I'm like, I hope someday that I become more popular in the book world. I don't want the spotlight, not about a get rich thing. It had nothing to do with that. I wanted to be become more popular because I wanted the people who truly loved my writing, which I've had a group of these people that have been with me since the first book. I wanted them to feel like proud to be a fan of mine. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, and I legitimately am a Colleen Hoover fan. I love her books. I've connected with her writing and stuff over the years, but it, like it got to the point where it became very popular to be a Coho fan. And, and I think 99% of her fans legit do love her stuff, but there's always the bandwagon jumpers like, Oh, well, I'm going to say I do. And then you have the opposite end, like, well, I am not going to be with the crowd. So regardless of whether I really like something or not, I'm going to be the person with the opposite view. But I did just want my readers to be like, it's cool to like Julianne books. Like I can be proud of the fact that I read a Julianne book. We'll make a magnet. It's cool to like Julianne books. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. It 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 depends who you are, but I feel like a lot of readers connect with different books of an author. Like for example, like maybe they didn't like they didn't connect with one coho book, but they connect with another. There like for you, there's different books people can find that they like. You have over 30 of them, Jewel. And I write all over the place, too. But I feel like Colleen Hoover is a situation, too, where she's not going to write one specific type of book. She has a style of writing, but she's not writing in one particular category. And I feel like that increases your chances of a miss with your readers. And And I've been very vocal about it publicly over the years of you probably, if you read all of my books, the chances of you loving all of my books is really slim because I've written all over the spectrum with these books. But I feel like what people do connect to is a style of writing. I know I'm that way with some of my favorite authors, even if I have my favorites within their books, which you're always going to have. I like their style of writing. And it's pretty rare that in that person, I'm going to hate a book. Do you know what I mean? Like if I have an author who I love their style of writing, it would be pretty rare for them to write a book but I'm like, I just hated it. I mean, I'm saying it's impossible. So, and I know I have my true readers just even like on my art team and stuff. Not everybody on my art team is handing out five stars for my books. You know, now if they continually just don't love any of my books, we gently might say like, maybe you're not a fit for the art team. <laughs> like you clearly aren't enjoying this, but like, yeah, there's going to be some times where somebody's like, I usually give your books four or five stars, but this was a three star for me. And that's okay because I know that I write in the way that's going to be a miss sometimes and I love that I still have these readers who like they'll continue to read my books they're not gonna be like well now you failed me I'm out of here so I'm very privileged to have really such a great following of readers and they are they are the best readers and they're so generous with you know sharing the love for my books when they do love something I mean I don't it's probably not a great business decision but I've actually spent very little money on advertising you know I throw up some ads occasionally but I'm not one of the 
people who's spending thousands and thousands of dollars on ads daily, monthly, anything like that. It's been more word of mouth. And, and again, could I have made more money had I put out thousands and thousands of dollars? I mean, probably so. I'm just, I'm not a gambler. So I'm like, eh, I, I'll stick with my little word of mouth group. It's been fantastic. I do want to get back so quickly to right guy, wrong word. Yeah, I'm the one who goes off here. Because I want to talk about Eric. For those who don't know, Eric is the main character of, he is the the right guy with the wrong word. So I've never asked this question before, but I want to get into it. Everyone has those, they call them fan castings, where they pick which celebrities would play certain book characters in movies. My mind doesn't work like that. But something about this book, you changed my life, apparently. The worst part of this is, though, it's a really dumb comparison that kept coming to my brain. And I was like, this this celebrity is going to play Eric. It's terrible. It's cliche. So I pictured the male main character, Eric. Okay, this guy's name is Jonah Hogger King, but he played Prince Eric in the Little Mermaid movie, the new one. And the problem is, it's just the name. Like, I've never even seen the movie. Like, I kept picturing when you're like, Sean Mendez hair in the book. I was like, mm, this Prince Eric man, probably just <laughs> like him. I don't understand why that's my fan casting. I love it. It's just the name. I Googled him again. I Googled Prince Eric again. Whoever his name is, Jonah, in real life. And I was like, okay, wait, he does kind of fit the character. Maybe I'm not, like, loopy about this. But as a fiction author, this is an actual question besides me going weird about this Eric thing. As a fiction author, especially a romance author, have you seen a fan casting that you were surprised that someone pictured them as your characters? Or have they been on point mostly? Because I feel like people love to do this thing. Yeah, I feel like early on I came across more of the fan castings because even different bloggers would, with like new releases and stuff, they would always ask about fan castings. And because I don't picture anyone particular, like even Eric to the Sean Mendez, it shows that I don't watch a ton of movies as much as I listen to music or something like that. But also, and I'm not going to lie, sometimes I just get lazy with my descriptions and I'm like, ah, we're just going to put out a name here. It's, it's going to take me too long. I'm all about the dialogue. Once I have to do too much description, I'm like, so everybody can Google Sean Mendez. But even most like celebrities, probably anymore, I don't I probably know who people are if you like show me a picture or you say, hey, it's this person in the show or something that I've seen. But the name recognition isn't there for me anymore. I don't feel like early on I was overly surprised with some of the people that were picked. They wouldn't have, I guess, probably been my pick had I sat down to like look through lists and pictures of celebrities. Um, it's so great when people like are willing to do like cool edits for Instagram or whatever. And they're like pulling pictures, probably some of them they shouldn't be pulling because they're not theirs to use, but I'm like, that's on them, not on me. So, and it's sometimes interesting when I'm like, wow, that's not even the hair color that they were in the book. Like, it, like it's so far off or something like that. I've had a few like weird moments of trying to like work through cover designs with foreign publishers where most of the time they're not putting people on them. But when they do like, okay, did you read the book? Was the translation correctly? This is not even close. So um, there's been a few times, but hasn't been anything major and I don't miss not having the character casting thing as much anymore because it saves me so much time not having to be online and look at 
like oh who what celebrities like celebrity with dark hair this height between this age and this age and all these things come up that i've never even seen half of these people because there's just like there's so many there's so many my mind does not work that way and i don't know why it did for this i guess eric is a common name but i was like yeah prince eric that's that's it <laughs> okay so i want to know what's next for julie ann tell me everything What's next? Oh, wow. Well, I'm finishing Jackson's story from my Jack and Jill series. It is a standalone, but it's also a continuation of the series. So you do not have to read the series, but if you've read the series, you will think this is just the best book. Um, And it's called Because of Her. It'll come out sometime this fall. We haven't set an exact date yet. And beyond that, I'm kind of, I'm at a standstill because I have a lot of things going at once. I have some things I'm working on potentially for traditional publishing. I have like a list of ideas that I want to continue to move forward for self-publishing. But as I'm kind of waiting to find out where I'm going with any of this, I actually don't know for sure what I'm jumping into when I'm done with Jackson's book because of her which will be soon, but that's okay because school is starting. I will have a child. I'm my youngest. He still needs help with different school stuff. And I've got some signing events. I will be traveling here in the next few months and going into the holidays. So it's not a bad thing, but I'm just on the fence as to where I'm going with all of this. My dream, honestly, is to, I would love to like indie publish one book a year and traditional publish one book a year and they would be different. I I would love to be a hybrid publisher where I actually would have my traditionally published books potentially, eventually, potentially lean a little bit more towards still romance, but probably write a little bit closer to women's fiction. I've written before us and for Lucy that are definitely a little bit leaning more towards women's fiction. They just have a lot more depth to them. And my soul is kind of craving that right now. I kind of, that's what I write towards. Like, what is my soul craving? Will someday my soul be craving writing about vampires? I kind of hope so because I dig that thing, but I'm just not ready to jump off that cliff yet. But I kind of hope someday that I just have like a few years, like hiatus from everything else I've been doing and like, put out some like true like paranormal book. I hope I go there because I think it's so great when you just kind of let your creative soul run wild. I have to say, I just read my first like vampire romance book. It wasn't Twilight. It was like an actual recent one. And I was like, oh, okay. I love this. Like, who, who am I? You know what I mean? <laughs> Keep giving me more. Yourself, you're like, Why do I love this so much? But I do. They're like, wow, vampires. And I was like, no. And they're like, yeah, and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. Julianne, thank you for coming on Megan's Bookish Life podcast. You are welcome back anytime. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you for listening to Megan's Bookish Life podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.